Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Chapter 8 of True Stories of Crime from the District Attorney's Office by Arthur Cheney Train. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Colleen McMahon. A Finder of Missing Heirs The professional prosecutor is continually surprised at the insignificant amount of crime existing in comparison with the extraordinary scope of criminal opportunity. To be sure, the number of crimes actually detected is infinitesimal as contrasted with those committed. But even so, the conviction constantly grows that the world is astonishingly honest when one considers the unlikelihood that any specific prospective offense will be discovered. How few dishonest servants there are, for example, out of the million or so composing that class of persons, who have an unlimited opportunity to snap up not only unconsidered trifles, but personal property of great value. The actual honesty of the servants is probably greater than that of the masters in the final analysis. Men are not only presumed to be innocent in the eyes of the law, but are found to be so as a matter of daily experience, so far as honesty in the ordinary affairs of life is concerned, and to the fact that we rely so implicitly upon the truthfulness and integrity of our fellows is the principal reason why violations of this imperative social law should be severely dealt with. If it were possible adequately to determine or deal with any such issue, mere lying should be made a crime. It is a matter of constant wonder that shrewd businessmen will put through all sorts of deals when thousands of dollars are at stake, relying entirely upon the word of some single person whom they do not in fact know. John Smith is looking for a house. He finds one he likes with an old lady, who says her name is Sarah Jones, living in it, and offers her $40,000 for her real estate. She accepts. His lawyer searches the title and finds that Sarah Jones is the owner of record. The old lady is invited to the lawyer's office, executes a warranty deed, and goes off with the $40,000. Now, in a great number of instances, no one really knows whether the aged dame is Sarah Jones or not. And she perhaps may be, and sometimes is, only the caretaker's second cousin, who is looking after the house in the latter's absence. There are thousands of acres of land and hundreds of millions of money waiting at compound interest to be claimed by unknown heirs or next of kin. Even if the real ones cannot be found, one would think that this defect could be easily supplied by some properly ingenious person. My Uncle Bill went to sea in 45 and was never heard from again. Will you find out if he left any money? Wrote a client to the author. Careful search failed to reveal any money. But if the money had been found first, how easy it would have been to turn up a nephew. 
yet the industry of producing properly authenticated nephews heirs legatees next of kin and claimants of all sorts has never been adequately developed there are plenty of agents who for a moderate fee will inform you whether or not there is a fortune waiting for you but there is no agency within the writer's knowledge which will supply an heir for every fortune from a business point of view the idea seems to have possibilities some few years after the civil war a swede named ebby peterson emigrated to this country to better his condition fortune smiled upon him and he amassed a modest bank account which with considerable foresight he invested in a large tract of unimproved land in the region known as the bronx new york city in the summer of eighteen eighty eight peterson determined to take a vacation and revisit sweden and accordingly deeded all his real estate to his wife just before starting he decided to take his wife and only child a little girl of ten or twelve with him accordingly they set sail from hoboken saturday august eleventh upon the steamer geyser of the thingvalla line bound for copenhagen at four o'clock tuesday morning at a point thirty miles south of sable island and two hundred miles out of halifax the geyser in the midst of a thick fog crashed suddenly into a sister ship the thingvalla of the same line and sank the thingvalla was herself badly crippled but after picking up thirty-one survivors managed to limp into halifax from which port the rescued were brought to new york only fourteen of the geyser's passengers had been saved and the petersons were not among them they were never heard of again and no relatives came forward to claim their property which happening to be in the direct line of the city's development was in course of time mapped out into streets and house lots and became exceedingly valuable gradually houses were built upon it various people bought it for investment and it took on the look of other semi-developed suburban property in the month of december nineteen o five over seventeen years after the sinking of the geyser a lawyer named h huffman brown offered to sell at a bargain to a young architect named benjamin levitan two house lots adjacent to the southwest corner of one hundred and seventy fourth street and monroe avenue new york city it so happened that brown had not long before induced levitan to go into another real estate deal in which the architect's suspicions had been aroused by finding that the property alleged by the lawyer to be improved was in fact unbuilt upon he had lost no money in the original transaction but he determined that no such mistake would occur a second time and he accordingly visited the property and also had a search made of the title which revealed the fact that brown was not the record owner as he had stated but that on the contrary the land stood in the name of william r hubert it should be borne in mind that both the parties to this proposed transaction were men well known in their own professions brown particularly was a real estate lawyer of some distinction and an editor of what were known as the old new york civil procedure reports he was a middle-aged man careful in his dress particular in his speech modest and quiet in his demeanor by reputation a gentleman and a scholar, and had practiced at the New York bar some twenty-five years. But Levitan, who had seen many wolves in sheep's clothing, and had something of the Sherlock Holmes in his composition, determined to seek the advice of the district attorney, and having done so, received instructions to go ahead and consummate the purchase of the property. He, therefore, informed Brown that he had learned that the latter was not the owner of record, to which Brown replied that was true, but that the property really did belong to him in fact being recorded in hubert's name merely as a matter of convenience because hubert was unmarried and that moreover he brown 
had an unrecorded deed from Hubert to himself which he would produce, or would introduce Hubert to Levitan and let him execute a deed direct. Levitan assented to the latter proposition, and the 14th of December, 1905, was fixed as the date for the delivery of the deeds and the payment for the property. At two o'clock in the afternoon of that day, Brown appeared at Levitan's office, where a detective was already in attendance, and stated that he had been unable to procure Mr. Hubert's personal presence, but had received from him deeds duly executed to the property. These he offered to Levitan. At this moment, the detective stepped forward, took possession of the papers, and invited the lawyer to accompany him to the district attorney's office. To this, Brown offered no opposition, and the party adjourned to the criminal courts building, where Mr. John W. Hart, an assistant district attorney, accused him of having obtained money from Levitan by means of false pretenses as to the ownership of the property, and requested from him an explanation. Brown replied without hesitation that he could not understand why this charge should be made against him, that he had in fact received the deeds from Mr. Hubert only a short time before he had delivered them to Levitan, that Mr. Hubert was in New York, that he was the owner of the property, and that no fraud of any sort had been attempted or intended. Mr. Hart now examined the supposed deeds and found that the signatures to them, as well as the signatures to a certain affidavit of title, which set forth that William R. Hubert was a person of substance, had all been executed before a notary, Ella F. Brayman, on that very day. He therefore sent at once for Mrs. Brayman, who, upon her arrival, immediately and without hesitation, positively identified the defendant, H. Huffman Brown, as the person who had executed the papers before her an hour or so before. The case on its face seemed clear enough. Brown had apparently deliberately forged William R. Hubert's name, and it did not even seem necessary that Mr. Hubert should be summoned as a witness, since the property was recorded in his name, and Brown himself had stated that Hubert was then actually in New York. But Brown indignantly protested his innocence. It was clear, he insisted, that Mrs. Brayman was mistaken, for why in the name of common sense should he, a lawyer of standing, desire to forge Hubert's name, particularly when he himself held an unrecorded deed of the same property, and could have executed a good conveyance to Levitan had the latter so desired. Such a performance would have been utterly without an object. But the lawyer was nervous, and his description of Hubert as a wealthy mine owner from the West, who owned a great deal of property in New York and had an office in the Flatiron Building, did not ring convincingly in Mr. Hart's ears. The assistant district Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.